Hey girlfriend, welcome along to this week's episode of the Get Confident podcast with your host Janelle Hoskin. I have a very special guest with me today. His name is Calvin Coyles. He is my mentor and we have been working together in different ways, shapes and forms since 2020. But this year I am solely working with him in uh, one of his mastermind groups and it is helping me in my life personally and professionally so much. I'm super grateful for this opportunity to have Calvin come on the show to share with you amazing insights into what it takes to live a wild life. Now I'm not going to get into that right now because Calvin just shares so much goodness on this but you're going to want to have a notepad, a pen and also make sure that you register for his upcoming book launch event there will be so much goodness. I've done a few of Calvin's free events and they never cease to amaze me. There is so much value and it'll just be so worth your time. Uh, Enjoy the episode, my friend, and I hope this is one that you want to listen to more than once and share with your friends. I'm Janelle Hosking and you beautiful are here to get confident. No more self-doubt, no more overthinking, no more what ifs. I'm helping you grow your confidence so you can live a fulfilled life. Welcome to the show. Calvin, are you ready for this or that? I am ready for this or that. Okay. I tried to think of some tough questions, but I don't know. It's still a game. So let's have fun with it. Alcohol or coffee? Coffee. Okay. Phone in the bathroom or no phone in the bathroom? In the bathroom? Yeah, like, like when you go into the toilet. Do you take your phone with you or no? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you get a DM from me, probably while I'm on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's always a good time, you know? It's when you've got a hey, moment. Got to be productive. Got to be productive. Exactly. Okay. Let's say you're online shopping. Do mm-hmm. you sort by price or by rating? Price. Cool. And like, yeah, yeah, you're looking for a deal or? Well, no, normally I'm looking for the most expensive thing, actually. <laughs> if I'm shopping, um, I know, uh, I don't know if I don't, I definitely don't sort via review. I don't do that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm trying to buy something, I am probably sorting for visual. So I might look for something visually first. You're getting into my NLP patterns right now. But if I'm buying something, um, if there's a variety of things on the uh, on the store, I might look for the most popular thing, right? Or I might look for the most expensive thing, which is normally a reference of whatever the best thing is that they sell. Mm, okay, I like that. Um, yeah. Do you prefer watching sports or playing sports? Oh, playing sport. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a fan of watching sport? Some sport. Um, so I do watch soccer, football. Um, and that's probably the only sport that I really watch. I do. I don't mind watching most other sports. I don't really like uh, cricket. I don't really like um, golf but uh, or, or motor car racing. But anything mm-hmm. else I'll watch. But most of the time I, I, I'd much rather play than I would watch. For sure. Way more fun that way. Okay, yeah. last one. Would you prefer a group hangout or one-on-one? Depends on who it's with, but mm-hmm. I'd, I'd probably say group hangout. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. think group hangouts because it's more fun or more time efficient? No, because more fun. 
Yeah, definitely more fun in group. We yeah. um we had a, a games night on the weekend just gone with only six of us, three couples, but it was so much fun. It's just a good yeah. time. Yeah, Amazing. it just creates a different dynamic, right? <laughs> it does. It's really good for laughs too. Okay, so yeah. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Reason being, Very I, I guess I've been in your world uh, since 2020. Uh, I think it was in the first lockdown that I actually came across you. And so it's been amazing for me to um, be able to grow through your business, your offerings, and then also to see you and your business expand as well to the point where now you have your next book, which is coming mm-hmm. out on the 23rd of July, Wild Success, Break Through Your Limitations and Live a Life of Your Dreams. Love that you have got that copy and you're just showing yep. it straight there. Yeah. <laughs> at any moment any moment i'll just pass the screen <laughs> no i love it that is perfect i want to start off by knowing what is a wildlife mm. fuck i don't get that question enough so thank you for that and uh, also tremendously honored to be with you on the podcast um just grateful to reconnect with you and i always enjoy our conversations um so what is a wildlife well For me, I think in a very simple setting, a wildlife is living life on your own terms. And so really that means whatever you want it to mean. But I think it's quite distinct in that a lot of people that are going through hard times will often think that the opposite of a hard life is an easy life, right? As if I'm just constantly in a state of bliss and happiness. And that's not really what this is about. The distinction is whether or not something is hard or if you suffer is not whether or not it's difficult, but whether or not you chose it to be difficult. So if you're you're waking up every day trying to tackle big problems, that's not a difficult life. Uh, there's difficulties in that life, but it's not a hard life. It's a life where you are challenged to be more, but you're choosing those challenges every day as opposed to you've sort of been forced to make those decisions, right? So someone that works 18 hours a day that loves their work and chooses to do that and wants to be successful in that, it's very different than doing 18 hours and hating your life and hating your job. So for me, a wildlife is about living life on your own terms and about getting clear on what that is for you and then having the courage to actually step into that and to say yes to those things and no to everything else. Mm, okay. Where did your wildlife start? The, the, I sort of grew up in an environment which had a lot of examples of what I didn't want. And so that was a nice implication or a nice, um, insight into what I did want, right? I think you first have to discover what you don't want to know what you do want. And so I grew up with this really interesting sort of polarity where I had a dad who made a lot of money, uh, Mm -hmm. but we didn't get a lot of time with him. And it was very difficult for us to be able to enjoy the fruits of that labor because of the way that dad had structured his business. And then I had a mom who made almost no money, but we spent a heap of time with her and it was just different challenges, right? You had time, but no money or money, but no time. And for me, I fell in love with travel. I fell in love with seeing different cultures and exploring the world. I've always loved that. So that was a big thing for me. But I also knew as well that what held my dad back from traveling and to seeing more of the world, although we wanted to have that, was that his business didn't travel with him. And so when he stopped working, we stopped making money and therefore we couldn't do those things. 
So it was very clear to me that I wanted to be in a position where I could have freedom and I wanted to be able to travel and do what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to make a lot of money. And then it was about trying to figure out how to do those two things in a combined way so that they complemented each other, or at least they didn't hinder each other. Um, and so that's probably where it started for me was wanting to see the world, wanting to have the feeling of expansiveness, of having freedom. That's very important to me. And, mm. uh, and then I was very fortunate to discover that if I helped people get what they want in life, then they would also help me get what I wanted as well. And that was through breakthroughs and personal development and seminars and courses and the rest is sort of history. Exactly. Did you ever think as when you were a kid that that's or this is how your life would end up? Not really. Um, when I was in primary school, you know, when you do like your graduation and they mm -hmm. say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I either wanted to be a lawyer or an actor. And so I went to, when I was in high school, I studied theater and my goal was to become an actor. And then I realized pretty quickly I didn't have the talent for that. But um, I was very committed and I was a good communicator, but I just didn't have natural acting ability. And then so I was like, oh, I'll go and study law. And then I went to uni and I realized that law is not at all what suits makes it out to be. And uh, I was never going to be a lawyer uh, because it just bored the life out of me. So then it was like, well, maybe I'll run my own business because I'd grown up in a family that did that. And I didn't know what that was going to be about, but I sort of fell in love with personal development at around about sort of 18, 19. Mm. And, um, and then I thought, well, maybe I can make something happen in business with regards to consulting or strategy or speaking or your know, stuff. I could do something in that space. And I sort of had three pathways. One was I was going to get into management consulting. One, I was getting into investment banking or one, I was going to sort of start my own business. And it just happened that I ended up going down and start my own business route. And I ended up getting very fortunate with some amazing mentors to teach me in personal development. And then once I sort of got my head around that, it was like, yeah, this is what I want. I want to travel. I want to speak. I want to share my message with the world. I want to write books. I want to, you know, uh, do those things. And then it just being an evolution of that principle. But it wasn't always clear to me that this is what life was going to be like. Um, um, sometimes you get much more than what you thought you were going to. Oh, that's so beautiful. And hopefully good things, you know, you get much oh, more good things. So. 100%, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So at what point did you, I guess, start to realize that the life you were living was this concept of a wild life and really tap into that and make that, I guess, your messaging that you now use and that you've now got this book coming out on? Yeah. So um, when I first started the business, um, I moved overseas. And before I started this, I moved overseas and I worked for a mentor that I'd never met before. I, uh, I lived with him and sort of volunteered my time for six months to learn everything that I possibly could. And that was quite a wild thing to do in every mm -hmm. sense of the word. And then I came back and um, I was trying to find a brand identity, right? I was like, who am I going to be? What am I going to do, et cetera? And so I, originally the brand was called Calvin Coyles International. Um, and after a couple of months, I went back and spoke to my mentor again. And he said, well, what you're really doing is you're helping young people try to become like you. And he said, I think you're wildly successful. Wow. And I was like, well, that's very kind of you. And then I sort of married those two concepts together. And so for me, it was then about helping young people become wildly successful. Part of that also, Janelle, was that I, um, I didn't really think old people were going to pay me any money. <laughs> and so I was 22, 23 and, um, you know, I looked even much younger then than what I do now. And I was like, well, I may as well use that as an advantage rather than a weakness. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So then the whole concept came about of going, well, what is wild success? What does it mean to live a wildly successful life? And I didn't really know that there was a lifestyle component to that as much as I knew that it was about having it all. It was about mm-hmm. having a great body and a great relationship and having great finances and having a great career and having a spiritual connection, not just having one or the other. And I mm-hmm. felt like the generation that I had, I saw of my parents, they had by the nature of their lives, just achieved success in one area, not in all areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no criticism of that. Just, you know, the strategies were probably not as accessible as they are today. And so they did the best that they could, but I knew that I wanted more than that. And so I, I wanted to be intelligent and intensive, uh, intentional about that. And then it was through the process of sort of communicating that and then refining that. And then I just found that I was living that that mm. when I sort of encapsulated it, it was really just a nice way of, of talking about the, the principles and the ideas of, hey, well, this is what it means to live a wild life is you have all of these things in place and you're, you're living this, this, this quality of life. And it sort of just evolved over time through that process. Mm. There is so much in what you've just said, particularly around, I guess, what it makes me think of is the limiting beliefs that we have yes. when it comes mm-hmm. to a wild life. You know, I imagine maybe subconsciously someone might be listening thinking, well, shit, yeah, Calvin can do that, but that doesn't mean I can. How yeah. much of your work is around, pro- well, not proving, but I guess showing and validating mm-hmm. for people that mm-hmm. they can have that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, this is a real, this is a, yeah. This is a a common issue. So I think the first thing is that I always try to be not for clients, although that is also part of it, but I really just try to be for my family an example. Mm. And I think that's really important. So when I started the business, I was 40,000 in debt. I just left university. I didn't have any career aspirations in in terms of I hadn't got jobs lined up or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. it was very important for me, for my younger brothers and sisters and for my extended family, my cousins, because I'm the eldest of all the grandkids. I wanted to demonstrate, hey, you can go to uni and then you can start your own thing and you can make a heap of money just you know, backing yourself. And so that was very important. But then what you realize is that once you've demonstrated that, it's really not about, is it possible? Now it's possible for me as in the person who's receiving that message. So a tremendous amount of my work over the last decade has been about helping people break through limiting beliefs, identify goals that they have, and then figure out why is it that you just don't think that you can get there. And the the challenge that people have with that is that they associate a lack of knowing of how I'm going to do something or a lack of experience with thinking that it's therefore not possible for them. There's there's a real difference between saying I'm not good enough at I'm not good enough as opposed to I'm not good enough yet. And so everything is a work in progress, you know? So if if you're trying to start a business and you're not making a hundred thousand or a million dollars, it's not that you can't do that. People dumber than you have done that. (laughs) So it's possible. But it's just that you've got to learn the skills. And so it's like you're not good enough yet to do that. But if you figure out the skills gap, you can make that happen. So a lot of the work is, hey, let's try to blaze a trail and say, hey, this is what's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and sort of lead by example. And hopefully that's inspiring for people. And that that just unlocks the key, right? That unlocks the door, so to speak. So people go, oh shit, if that's possible for him, how and why, and is it real or is it just Instagram? And then if it is real, wow, okay, now you've got really got my attention. How do I do that? And that's a really powerful conversation because most people deny, right? Most people go, that's bullshit, that's not possible, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and then once they break through that thought, then they go from judgment to curiosity. And in curiosity, mm-hmm. their mind is open. And it's funny, I speak to my dad about this quite a bit. And he often says, he says, Cal, if you were not my son, I would not believe that your life was real. Right. 
And um, wow. he said, because the things that you post and the trips that you take and the family and the lifestyle you've got, he goes, it just wouldn't in his mind compute that that's possible because at 50 odd years old, he's had a life and most of it's been just bad hard work and, and you know, putting your head down. And the opportunities that I've had available to me through luck and synchronicity and serendipity and talent, whatever else have just manifested into this incredible lifestyle that from a generation ago was just impossible. And now it's very possible. Um, it's just about making that shift. So it, it is really critical that people come at anything in life through a lens of uh, curiosity rather than through judgment, uh, both for yourself and for anyone that you're observing. Mm, oh, that is amazing. What do you think about the idea or, you know, I'm sure you've had people talk to you about the way in which they're living now. They've kind of set that as enough. And to me, when I see that, that's a, out of a fear or a self-doubt of creating more or maybe failure. Does mm-hmm. that happen often in your work? And how do you coach people through that? Yeah, all the time, all the time. So there's a really delicate balance between the striving for more and the feeling of inadequacy. (laughs) So a lot of people, what they'll do is the counterbalance to that argument is, well, when is enough ever enough, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, I tend to find that people tend to sit in two camps, right? They're either justifying not going forward with life because they're saying, I've got enough. I don't need any more than that. But it's like, well, it's not that you have enough or that you think you're happy with your lot, so to speak, that you've achieved, you've reached the top of the mountain. You've sort of given up on the idea of climbing the mountain, which is not the same thing, right? It's like someone saying, oh, look, I, I, I wouldn't want to buy a Ferrari. It's like, well, you don't have the money to buy a Ferrari. So if you had the money to buy a Ferrari and you didn't want to, that's a genuine choice. Otherwise, you're just saying that as, a, as a, to avoid having to have that dialogue, right? Crazy example, but you get the point. So for somebody that has settled in their life and they've settled not because it's genuinely they've found a place, they go, I'm really happy. This is amazing. I'm so grateful for what I have. And this is more than I could ever want or need. That's very different to I don't really think I can get any more. It's going to be really difficult to get more. Uh, I don't know how to get there. There's a chance I'm going to lose what I've got, so I'm just going to sort of play defense now, right? And for that person, having a compelling vision is so critical because what I tend to find is that the universe is built and predicated on expansion. Now, expansion doesn't mean more for the sake of more. I'm not talking about consumerism, but I'm talking about spiritual expansion. And you only really expand by exploring your outer zone of your comfort zone. And I was traveling back uh, from Dubai recently um, with Emirates. I was watching this video, and I think you might have heard this story from me before, but I was watching this video from Neil deGrives Tyson, the astrophysicist, and he was talking about this, and this blew my mind. He said, when you look at all of the, 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 uh, the galaxies inside of the universe, all of the matter inside of that, the gravitational pull of the, the, the sort of dark matter effectively, is so strong that effectively the universe should be either stagnant or contracting. Right? We shouldn't see an expanding universe because there's so much gravitational pull pulling in the sort of boundary conditions of that. He says, and yet we can't explain it, but yet the universe still expands. And I thought, wow, what a great metaphor for the way that we should live our lives. They're like, no matter what's going on in our lives right now, we should always be expanding. And that doesn't have to be, as I said, more, but it has to be being more, not not buying more or doing more, but becoming more. And so uh, I think that when people really tap into that, they realize that actually when I'm at my happiest, I'm growing. And, you know, Tony Robbins talks about um, 
six human needs. We talk about seven with splitting hairs, but effectively certainty, variety, uh, connection, and um, significance. Once you can meet those and you're happy, awesome. Well, then it's about love. Then it's about contribution. Then it's about growth. And if you can do that, I think then you know, people feel better. They do more. They share more. They're more buoyant and more abundant beings. Um, and to a high achiever that's always stretching and pushing for more, then there's also a value in just also you know, connecting into an appreciation for what you've got as well. And so I was just journaling about this the other day, actually, that there's a, there's a separation between this idea of uh, if I don't have something, it's not that I'm not good enough to have that. It's not that I'm un. I'm, it's not that I'm less than. It's just that it's in process. Mm-hmm. And that everyone's on a, a different journey, and that you'll get things when you're meant to get them, providing you keep mm-hmm. showing up. And mm-hmm. if you haven't got them there, it doesn't mean that you're inadequate in any way. It just means that you're earlier in the journey than what someone else is who's already got that. So there's a great book called The Gap and the Gain. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it talks about the idea of are you in the gap between where you are and where you want to be? Or are you in the gain from where you are to where you were? And I think that's a good mindset to have. And you just need to use that intelligently and strategically. Yeah, I so love that. Like for me, anytime I set goals, I always say like it's inevitable. The it's yeah. I'm going to achieve it. It's inevitable, mm-hmm. but it's more yeah. a it's a thing of timing, which I don't have control yeah. over. And just like you've mentioned the how quite a few times today, and how people get stuck on the how, I mm-hmm. absolutely hear you, and I see that. And you know, the short amount of work I've done in my um, self employment journey, coaching people, the how always gets people stuck. And I've started kind of saying like the how isn't up to me, and obviously. It, it is and I can learn strategies and tools and stuff but I don't have to obsess over it I don't have to control freak over it it is yes. going to happen as long as I yes. just keep putting one foot in front of the other we'll mm. get there and how will be what it is yep yep 100% 100% <laughs> um yeah no I couldn't agree with that more there, there is, and there's more than one way. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. partly what trips people up to is like they either want the magic pill as the thing that's going to get me there um, without any failure or, you know, with, with as minimal hiccups as possible. Um, but yeah, there's there's more than one way and the how doesn't have to be up to you. So I, I love that. Um, in the book, which I'm so grateful, I've had the opportunity to um, get in advance and be reading through you mentioned about being brainwashed of happiness this Mm -hmm. idea that we've been made to believe we're not good enough or we're not enough can you expand Mm -hmm. on that for the lovely listener at home yeah absolutely so i think one of the um, misconceptions in sort of the modern sort of pop psychology, uh, and, and I don't say that I'm exempt from that, but we probably definitely contributed to that, is this idea that, that it's all about, you know, quite literally from the movie and the book, the pursuit of happiness. But the, if you watch that movie or read that book, uh, I've actually had the, the opportunity to meet the, uh, the, the author of the book, the when you think about what actually that movie is all about the pursuit of happiness it's not really actually about happiness happiness if you're thinking about the scene is when he walks down the steps at the end having got the job and he's clapping in the streets but then that moment disappears and then it's into the next moment and so for most people they think life is all about happiness and therefore if i'm doing things that i'm not happy about therefore i shouldn't be doing those things and happiness is the goal for me, I think that we mistake happiness and pleasure. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing. And so what I've come to realize is that actually happiness is progress. 
And in, in the clients that I work with, it's not whether or not they feel happy in the moment. It's rather when they feel satisfied, when they feel fulfilled, that's really what they're aiming for, a sense of joy. And that's longer lasting. That's longer energy, right? Like if happiness is a lolly, um, you know, fulfillment is like a complex carbohydrate that takes some time to break down, right? It's, it's, a, it's a different energy source. And so you have moments of happiness in your day, but the general feeling of you being a positive person that feels like you're making progress in your life really is very little to do whether or not you are happy or not, but whether or not you feel like you're making great progress in your life. And that comes down to, am I tackling challenges that are worthy of me? Am I stretching myself? Am I learning new things? Am I surrounded by great people? Is my life progressively getting better or is it progressively getting worse? And so we fall into the trap of pursuing happiness. And the challenge is often the things that we think are going to make us happy actually create a more of an environment that don't create happiness or it's mm-hmm. like it's Vegas strip, right? It's like you just you keep searching for that sugar high, looking for the next thing that's going to bring you happiness, which in many cases doesn't actually create a long-term environment of contentment, fulfillment, long-term joy. They're very different things. And so that's why I talk about the idea that like a, a hard life, the opposite of a hard life is not an easy life. It's a wild life because a wild life is full of challenges and friction and difficulty, but it's where you chose that. And so it's like, you feel happy because you're pursuing something that's exciting and worthy. Mm, the words you just said there around content and fulfillment, those to me, those are internal things and you can yes. only get those from searching within whereas mm-hmm. the context you shared before about you know even just that that searching mentality and the vegas mm-hmm. strip it's like that is outside of you of course yes. you're never going to find happiness there and it just yeah. it um i guess is part of the the reason why i do this work in this podcast is because we're all way too quick to jump outside of ourselves to find the the new job or have the fancy car or get the boyfriend and like half that stuff is so bad for us because it's taking us more away from ourselves you know so um i love that 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 concept of the contentment and the fulfillment and challenging ourselves so how does someone go about to me, it sounded like what you were just sharing before was kind of like a, an assessment that you can make of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Is there a stri- like? Is there an exercise for that that you can share? Yeah, yeah. Look, there is. Um, so the first thing to be aware of is that people have in their mind a if sort of when um, rule, if you will. So mm-hmm. if this happens or when this happens, then I'll be in a certain place. And so we delay all the things that we want in our lives for some sort of an imaginary checklist, right? And and I found myself falling into that trap just recently. We moved into a beautiful new home. Um, There's a long list of things that I'd like to have happen around the house in terms of just changing some stuff and getting some stuff ready. And so it's like, well, I'll feel really good about the house when this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens. And then you realize, wow, okay, well, you get close to all of those things being done and you're still not happy with the house. So then you've got to get clear on, am I just not happy about the house in general or am I training myself to not be happy, right? And so the first thing I think everyone's got to do is just be aware, what is my paradigm by which I'm engaging with the world? So if I'm engaging with the world to say, I'm going to be happy now and I'm still going to have goals, then that's awesome. But if I'm, if I'm delaying it, like I'm going to feel successful when I have the partner, when I have the job, when I've got the salary, when I've got the savings, 
the reality is those things probably going to happen for you anyway at some point, but there's a long time where you're not going to be quote unquote feeling it. So you may as well feel it now and have them anyway, rather than having them happen afterwards. Like your, your values, your sense of self-esteem and self-confidence, self-belief are not prizes. You know, they're not something that you win by ticking off the box, right? You don't get a gold star and then believe in yourself. You need to believe in yourself up front. So in terms of building a, a greater level of, of, um, of connectedness to yourself and to what's going on in your life, I think there's some simple things that you can do. One would be um, journaling, mm. starting the day uh, with something that ideally is physical and something that's mental. So whether that be physical exercise to obviously ground yourself in your own reality, whether that be a cold shower or a training session or something like that to get you, your body moving, that's always fantastic. And then also to ground yourself in the sense of, of, of writing, whether that be morning pages or you know some sort of affirmation, some journaling exercise, it just brings you to the present moment and it gives you something as an opportunity to reflect on the blessings of your life and to realize actually whether you huff and puff today or not, tomorrow's going to still be here and you know the world keeps ticking along and we're actually pretty insignificant in the grand scheme of things and there's a lot of really beautiful things in our life to celebrate so bringing awareness to the present moment uh, is a great starting point the more that we can do that the better um, and then for some people it's also quite significant to identify what are the things that are taking us out of that state which mm. might be things like depression or anxiety and so understanding what are some of those triggers for them you know we what we find is really interesting is that there's effectively about 2,000 words in the English language to describe how we feel. But most people feel 12 of them on a daily basis and eight are negative and four positive. And so mm -hmm. if you're a habitual being, which most people are, especially after 30 years old, 95% preset, then wow. you're probably going to be triggered in the same way every day. And so even doing something as simple as like a, a, an emotional diary in the sense of every hour on the hour for a couple of days, just record down, how do I feel and what am I focused on? And that'll bring a tremendous feedback loop for you consciously and subconsciously to go, hey, I'm realizing if I focus on these things, I feel pretty average. And if I focus on these things, I feel good. So let me re rewire and just recalibrate so that I'm focused on the things that are going to bring me joy and happiness and satisfaction. Oh, that is awesome. Calvin, loving it so much. I want to stay on the wildlife and I know that it is, I'm, I might butcher this because I'm terrible at these, but I want to say it is an acronym. Is that right? That's correct. W-I-L-D. <laughs> yes. Can you talk to us about the acronym that WILD stands for, please? So WILD as an acronym is uh, Wellness, Income, Love, Lifestyle and Direction. And so um, we, when we talk about having it all, we talk about having it in those areas. So from a wellness perspective, that's physical and a mental and emotional wellness. Like, mm -hmm. you're, where are you at? Income is your finances. How much money are you making? What are you doing with that money? Are you investing it? Do you feel like you're in control of it? Then you've got love. So intimate relationships, lifestyle being, you know, where you live and what's your life like and, you know, the, the quality of your life. And then finally direction. And that can be both a spiritual direction also a career direction as well. How are you, you, you tracking towards a, a more bright and brilliant future? So when we work with clients, we'll look at those five areas of life and we'll, we'll do a bit of an assessment. And this can be really powerful for people because when you uh, compartmentalize life, it gives you the ability to identify strengths and weaknesses for yourself, right? So if, if you tend to find that life is good, there's no problems because every area of life is good, even if it's not, it's all good. But when you think that life is shit, everything is shit. 
It's not actually. You, there's areas that are actually really good, but there's some areas that are very low, and so you tend to tar everything with the same brush. So breaking it down into those distinctions really helps people. And then from there, we'll go, okay, well, and this is a really powerful exercise. You know, if, if you think about your life as like a wheel of life and you think about all of those areas, well, if you give yourself a 7 out of 10 score for wellness, what does a 10 out of 10 look like for you? And then this leads into our methodology. So our methodology, which we talk about in the book, and the whole thing is built around is identify an area of life. And then we have three parts. Create a compelling vision, identify any internal alignment blocks, and make sure we've, we release them. And then finally, design a proven strategy. And so once you're clear on what 10 out of 10 looks like in every area of your life, now you've got effectively, if you bring all that together, you've got all the jigsaw puzzle pieces for a wildlife. You know what that looks like. That's life on your own terms and every area is manifest. And then when you bring the whole picture together, you go, great, well, from that vision of my life, is there anything that's holding me back from getting there? And do I have strategies to make that happen? And then it's just simply about being able to organize that, coordinate that, find the right mentors and execute. That is incredible. And ever since I learned about the wild method, I have taken your online test, which I'll link in the description below, um, yep. a few times. And it's been a really great way to, I guess, self-assess those different areas in, yes. in um, the wild, you know, wellness, income. Now I'm getting confused. Wellness, income, lifestyle. Love. Love. And direction. And direction. There we go. <laughs> in yep. my mind trying to spell wild. Um, so that has been super helpful. And I mean, again, yep. coming back to um, how I found you in 2020 right the way through to now, I've done a few of your programs um, and I'm also right now in your inner circle coaching or mentoring program, which is just incredible to be around other people who are striving for goals. How yes. important is it on your journey of you know, oh. trying to live a wildlife to be surrounded by other people on the same kind of mission? It's incredible. Um, and look, I like to think our program is incredible, but it doesn't matter if you're doing a program with us or not. It's just important mm. that you're surrounded by great people. I did a video the other day, actually, that was maybe controversial. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But the video was about this idea that according to a Harvard study, if your best friend is obese, you're 47% uh, more likely to be obese. If your partner is obese, it's like 62%. And if a family member is obese, it's nearly 70%. And so that speaks to the same principle, right? Which is that, you know, there is no neutrality. I think people need to get this bit, right? You are either surrounded by people that are leveling you up or you're surrounded by people that are bringing you down. And if in doubt, they're bringing you down. Because if you can't create a compelling case for how your life is better with them, then it's by default uh, worse because it would they're effectively taking energy that you could be spending with somebody that's going to level you up. And mm -hmm. again, most people tend to think about success just in financial terms. So they only think about, well, I don't have people around me that are making more money. That's not the point. I'm talking about from a relationship perspective, you know, even if the people you're hanging around don't have any money, but they have unbelievable interpersonal relationships and they've got a fantastic relationship with their kids and maybe they're an incredible physical shape that's still valid right that's still successful okay. it's just about making sure you've got the right people around you so um i think it's really critical it's critical for a couple of reasons right so the first one is when you're trying to do something that you've never done before there's naturally a sense that it's not possible and so you've got to surround yourself with people that normalize that life so that you realize that it is possible. Because if you're trying to write a book, for example, and you don't know anyone that's ever written a book and you've never written a book, it's going to feel like you're climbing Mount Everest. But if you only hang around with people that write books for a living, well, then it's just, it's just another day. It's another, another book, right? Just what happens. 
And mm-hmm. you, you can't really fully get your head around just how much of a power shift that is until you hang around with people that just do it all the time. And then you go, well, geez, now I'm doing it all the time and it's just part of that. So proximity is power for the, that first perspective. The second perspective is as well is that we want to try to use peer pressure to our advantage. So, <laughs> you know, when, when we've got uh, a new group, there's a sense of social pressure for us to conform. And we see this happen neurologically with a thing called mirror neurons. So if in this case, let's say, for example, if, if I'm a super fast talker and you're really slow talking, then eventually we'll sort of balance each other out and we'll get to a place of relative neutrality. It won't be as, as we won't be completely neutral, but I'll drop down, you'll speed up a little bit. That's what happens for us to try to connect, right? It's just a safety mm-hmm. mechanism. So that's mm-hmm. hardwired. We don't do that consciously. So you may as well use that to your advantage, which is, put yourself in a position that would then cause you to conform to a new standard of success. Um, one of my closest friends, a guy called Karim Elbash, is a fitness model and, and, a, and, a, and just an elite athlete from a bodybuilding perspective. And so when you hang around with Karim, there's a different level of unspoken expectation about what you're going to eat and how you're going to use your day and how you're going to move. And it's just, it's just different than if I'm hanging around with no disrespect to my dad, uh, who's probably 30, 40 kilos overweight and uh, doesn't have the right diet or, or exercise or, or standards in that area. They're just different mm-hmm. people. So mm-hmm. if I hang around with dad more, my diet's probably going to suffer. I'm probably not going to exercise as much, or at least it's going to be acceptable for me not to do that. If I hang around with Karim, I'm probably going to get a six pack. I'm probably going to work out. I'm probably going to eat well. And that's just by the nature of peer pressure that sort of, you, 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 so you have to choose your peers wisely. So there's two elements. One is it makes it possible. It makes it real. It makes it just, uh, well, of course, this is what we do. And then mm-hmm. it, there's also an element, which is that you are going to naturally feel biologically uh going to feel like you have to conform to that standard. So if you choose that standard really intelligently and wisely, you're sort of consciously and subconsciously working in your benefit. Absolutely. And for those of you right now who are listening, thinking my circle or my friends are not that at all, as in they're not helping along the journey, and you feel a little sense of guilt around that, it is okay to let people go. You know, Mm -hmm. I hands down believe that friends are not forever. And Mm -hmm. yes, that can suck when a friendship ends or when you realize actually this friendship isn't doing me good but there's only so much time and space that we have in our day or in our life and so we've really got to be you know even um the idea of having great people around us like we have to just choose wisely even just for the concept of time purely um but then of course knowing that if we've got people who are striving for goals that's going to make us more likely to strive for our goals as well and I literally was having a conversation this morning with a lady who I've only just met her this is a first you know connection online and straight away she's a business owner as well straight away she started talking about her her revenue goals for this year and she's like oh hope you don't think this is too much and I said no I love this I love talking about business and about numbers with people and I love even more someone who I'm just meeting for the first time not afraid to share that with me that is the kind of person that I want to spend more time with 100 percent. I think as well when you're starting a personal growth journey there's naturally a sense that you don't want to leave anybody behind right and no one no one no one has people in their life that they don't in some way love or value or appreciate and you want to see them do better right and this is particularly powerful when it's your intimate partner as well the thing that i've come to realize is that there's a sense that 
if I'm not 100% convinced of this for myself as my own path, I want that to be validated by bringing my friends along, right? So if I'm not sure mm-hmm. if something's a good idea or my friends think it's a good idea, that gives me the encouragement to think it's a good idea. So mm-hmm. it requires sometimes for you just to stand on your own true feet, for you to be willing to go to that gym by yourself, for you to be willing to grab that book and read it by yourself, to enroll in that course by yourself, to travel to that country by yourself. You've got to be willing to do it on your own. The first step before anyone believes, anyone else believes in it is you have to believe in it. And yeah. so by making that bold step, two things happen. One, people around you go, wow, they're serious about this, right? Therefore, I'm now more excited about it for you and I'm going to be less critical of it because I now know that you're fully invested into it. On the flip side as well, it also then creates a sense of polarity where you've challenged them just by your example to be more. And what will happen is that challenge will inspire them to step up or it will inspire a a separation in some sense. And, uh, and that's okay. But you don't need to try to put any pressure on that person to do it for you. If you just back yourself, it'll take care of itself anyway. And my suggestion to people is rather than feeling like you've got to try and cut people off, sometimes where we feel like we've got to go to, is mm. just invest into the future of where you're headed. And naturally, that will happen anyway. Like, I don't think I've really spent too much time in my life trying to get rid of people from my life. I'd rather just focus on living my own life. And the people that want to live that life with me live it. And the people that don't, don't. And I just don't have a huge amount of time for the ones that don't. And they either get that or they don't get that. And if they get that, awesome. And if they don't, that's okay as well. Uh, but I'm, I'm just living this life. And it, it very quickly gets to the place where you are only surrounded by people that are on a similar mission to you that believe in you, that support you, that think in a very similar way, that want to make big things happen in their lives. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I haven't been a great friend to a lot of people over the years because of the fact that the standard that I have and the place that I'm going and the vision that I've got requires a certain level of, of, uh, of realness and authenticity mm-hmm. and depth. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. they're not in that place, then I just don't have the capacity for that. And, and people pretty quickly figure that out and they either opt into more of that or they opt out of it and that's okay. Absolutely. That's okay. And like you say, it doesn't have to be a big deal where you tell them, hey, I'm breaking up with you as a friend. You just, you know, focus on you. And also be the example. Be the example and they'll either jump on board or they won't. And that's absolutely fine. Um, So the book coming out on the 23rd of July. Can you please tell us about this amazing launch event that you're doing? I'm registered for it. I'm actually going to be driving back home from Palmerston North, but I'm making sure that I'm home before it kicks off at midday. Well, I'm very grateful for you driving all the way back (laughs) for it. So that's amazing. Um, So yes, we are, uh, so we're launching the book. Uh, It's taken me a heap of time to write. This has been by far the hardest project that I've ever had to do. Because one of the reasons why is because, you know, I'm used to teaching seminars and programs and those courses and programs run for a couple of days. um, And it's normally 40 hours out of three days and it's immersive, but it's not about me. It's about the audience. Mm -hmm. And so I don't need to have too much in. I just have some rough structures and we have a big dialogue and we work through things and we change people's lives. Mm -hmm. But taking the time to write 40,000 words is hard because I'm not a great writer anyway, but also it's uh, it's difficult because you're like, well, how much of this do I stand behind? And so I've rewritten the book many times because it's wow. like, if I'm going to commit something to paper, 
and go, hey, this is what I actually believe. What is it that I believe? And by the time I've written it, I've probably changed my beliefs. So uh, it's been difficult. So we got there in the end, though. I'm enormously proud of what we created. I really am. I think it's going to be a fantastic book. It's going to be really powerful for people that you know, want to have an introduction into this world of personal development. And it's written very pragmatically and to the point, and there's no bullshit. And so to celebrate that, we're doing a summit. Um, and so we put on a free summit. There's two of them, actually. One for everyone in Australia and sort of Southeast Asia or Australia Pacific. So that's our Singaporean Kuala Lumpur friends, Indonesian friends, and then all of Australia and New Zealand. So we're doing that summit on the 23rd of July. And then we also have a European summit, which will also still happen on the 23rd. But later in the afternoon, we'll, we'll, we'll stay up late for everyone in Europe. And uh, we do it then. And basically, it's an opportunity for everybody to come together. I'm going through basically the greatest hits of the book. So I'm going to be going through what we've talked about today, but with some exercises and activities about how do you identify where you're at in life? How do you create a compelling vision, break through anything that's holding you back, and then achieve wild success? What does that look like? And then mm-hmm. during the summit, We've got $1,200 worth of uh, uh, gifts and prizes for everybody. And uh, we're also giving everyone the opportunity with thanks to our partners at Amazon to grab a copy of the book, which is normally I think going to be like $30 retail. You get a copy of the book for just 99 cents. So mm. uh, it's really special. We're hoping that that uh, also helps us get to a bestseller as well, which I believe we will. Um, and uh, and we can hopefully put the book in as many people's hands as possible around the world and, and make a dent in the universe, so to speak. So that's, that's our goal. So the, uh, the summit's free. Uh, we're going to have an amazing time together. And, um, and yeah, we just love to have as many people there as possible. At the moment, we've got about 700, I think, already registered for it. So we'll probably end up having about 2,000 by the time we get to the weekend. And um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a big party. That's amazing. So check out the link in the description below. You can sign up for that. Uh, it is wildsuccessthebook.com forward slash book. So you can go and register there. Of course, that gets you uh, those $1,200 worth of free gifts and whatnot as well. Plus, of course, your copy of the book on the day. I'm very much looking forward to that day. And also, I'm looking forward to finishing the book. I myself am... um, I don't want to admit this because I'm not trying to affirm it for myself, but I'm a very slow reader. Uh, (laughs) I think right now I'm on page 100, so I'm a quarter of the way through. (laughs) But so far, it has been awesome. And for me, it's been great to learn more about you as well and your experiences and your stories and then some of those, um, you know, those insights just in part one that I've been able to learn. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You've been a massive part of my life for the past three years and your teachings and, you know, those of all have and are now um, moving through to my clients and the people that listen to this podcast as well. So thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it deeply.